Welcome, welcome. This is Marnie Sudberg, and welcome to another edition of Marnie's Friends. Today we're talking about a great subject, from frazzled to focus, uh, five keys to finding the right balance when you're overworked, overstressed, and underfulfilled. And our uh, guest today, Susan Pulse, is a certified Christian life purpose coach and a mentor who works as a guide, strategist, cheerleader, and accountability partner for women who are ready to achieve their God-given potential. Her website is theflourishinglife.today, and she joins us today to share us Share with us uh, some tools to help you live at peak potential by nourishing your mind, body, and spirit. Uh, Some life-changing strategies to remain focused and stress-free when chaos is all around you. A deep understanding of the power of choice and how it affects your personal and professional life. And one simply a powerful word for reducing stress and achieving higher productivity. So welcome to you, Susan. Oh, it's so glad. I'm so glad to be here. This is great to, to talk about something that's near and dear to every woman's heart. <laughs> right. Well, life, the, the speed of life, the speed of life is just picking up all the time. It seems like with all of our wonderful time-saving gadgets, we have more time to do things than that causes us to sometimes become overloaded. Um, I, I, love, I love your use of the word focus, and we're going to dig into that during this hour. But what was it that led you to actually work with gals to become more focused instead of frazzled? Well, it's as a result of what I had to do for myself. <laughs> um, you know, I, I became an entrepreneur at 53, so I'm, I'm a very late bloomer. And when I did, I just dove right in, and I worked myself crazy the first year. And after that first year, I looked up and I thought, I don't even know why I'm doing this anymore. Yeah. And it really made me stop and think, okay, you know, am I on the right path? Is, did I just jump into something because it was a good idea? Is this where God wants me to be? And if it is, how can I, you know, better allocate my time so that I'm not working 18 hours a day and I'm enjoying life more? So I took myself on a self-guided journey and have been helping other women do that ever since. Well, we're talking today about going from frazzled to focused. And so how would you really define frazzled? I love the definition of frazzled. Um, Webster, you know, the traditional uh, definition is a state of extreme physical or nervous fatigue. Uh, The Cambridge Dictionary says it's tired and nervous or anxious, often because of having to deal with too many things at the same time. And my favorite is the Urban Dictionary, which defines it as to to be feeling a bit brain fried, lost (laughs) and confused, not functioning properly, slightly stressed all over the place. So I think that captures it succinctly, all over the place and brain fried. Yeah, I love brain fried. That's good. Yeah. I mean, how many of us haven't haven't experienced that, right? Absolutely. And there's so many reasons for it. Um, I I like to make a distinction between being frazzled um, or I don't even know about frazzled, but there are seasons like – For instance, when you have a new baby, there's going to be some weeks there that, you know, somebody could walk up to you and say, you're really not taking very good care of yourself. You know, you need to get more sleep. (laughs) You would just have to look at them and Mm -hmm. say, oh, that's brilliant. As soon as I can, I will. But there are other seasons where it's not like that, but because of choices you're making, it feels like that. 
It feels so intense and so overwhelming. So what are some of the reasons why women get into that state, why we get into that state where we feel so overwhelmed and brain fried? Well, I think for so many of us, we were brought up to think that we have to put everyone else's needs before ours. You know, as leaders and wives and mothers and career women, we have servant hearts, and so we give, 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 and there's generally nothing left for ourselves, and we feel guilty if we want to take some time off and go on a long weekend away or just take a day off, and I work with women all the time that just, you know, they say, well, I can't, you know, I feel guilty about that. I feel obligated to do these things, so we, we choose you know, to put ourselves in those situations because we, um, we don't take good care of ourselves. And we don't value um, ourselves as God's beautiful creation. You know, he created us as his temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit, and he bought us with a priceless sacrifice. And we need to honor him by taking good care of ourselves. Hmm. I always go back to when Jesus was asked what's the most important thing. Hmm. He said he said this, and if you listen to the yous that are both in it as well as the ones that are silent, it goes like this. You, love the Lord, your God, with all hmm. your heart and your strength and yourself, and you love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And you just right, go, wow. right. That's a lot of that's a lot of you in there. And if you you know, it's kinda of like the airplane analogy, you know, you have to give yourself some oxygen before mm-hmm. you have any to share. And it's so important and, and sometimes as moms, as wives, as leaders, we we really are so busy serving that we run out of gas and we hit burnout or we hit a physical thing. Um, because we just haven't pause to remember that God really wants to take care of us too. He really does. Right. You know, he, he had that seventh day of rest for a reason. Yeah. And, right. you know, for, for generations they took a day of rest and we've messed that up. Uh, we don't do that anymore. And we have to, you know, we think we have to be productive seven days a week and we just lose it eventually and become so worn out that we really aren't good to anyone. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's go ahead and dive in. We're going to talk about the acronym FOCUS today. And uh, the, first, the first letter is F. So go ahead and take it away. Okay. Well, the first one is fulfill your purpose. And that is really the, the root of everything. It's the foundation of all my work with women because, you know, to realize that you were put here for a purpose, and not for multiple purposes. You know, there are other people that have a different purpose than you, and you're not supposed to be doing theirs as well as yours. Uh, so to know that you have a, a reason for being here and you were uniquely equipped for that purpose with your values, your skills, your personality traits, all the things that make you who you are, how you're wired. So if you know why you're here and you use it as your GPS, then it keeps you on track and it helps you filter out the things you're supposed to be doing and the things you're not supposed to be doing. It helps you look at other people and appreciate the things that they are doing as their purpose and relieves you from the responsibility of feeling like you have to help them out. Uh, So it's, you know, just digging deep and knowing, you know, what, what lights my fire? What do I love to do? What brings me joy? And if you're doing that, of course you're going to be energized, uh, you're going to love what you're doing, and you're going to be at peace uh, because you're not all stressed out trying to do something that you're not even equipped to do. I think that that's just huge 
um, when we get put, and it's not like you always can pick. You know, I think about like a Corey Tinloom. Okay, she's in a prison mm. camp. She doesn't get to pick. She's just in this season of her life where she has to do what she's told, and it's very difficult. The whole thing is excruciatingly difficult. Mm. But then when she's free, she gets to choose <laughs> what, she's, what she's doing. You know, she could have just sat in a room and written books, and she did write some books. So she could have just only gone and spoke, and she did go and speak. She could have, you know, discipled people one-on-one. She could have started a little watch business after her father's. You know, you think about mm-hmm. all the things she yeah, could have right, done. Right. And she was able to find, you know, the sweet spot for her mm-hmm. using the gifts God gave her uh, to accomplish the work and what a dear place she has in all of our hearts because of that, you know, I mean, it's like God just used her to accomplish so much after the, Absolutely. the tough time. And she, and she found that spark. She found that passion and, and she knew that, you know, that's what God wanted her to do. And, and so when you hit upon that, I've had women cry when they, when they figure out what their purpose is, it's like, Oh my gosh, it's so overwhelming. And they realize they've been doing that their entire lives. They just didn't know it you know, from yeah. time to time, because we can't help but being who God created us to be. It's just that we don't, we don't recognize it until we look back over our lives and see these patterns of the times that we were truly um, lit up and we knew that we were doing what we're called to do. And it, it is so important to you mentioned not trying to be somebody else or do somebody else's mm. role. And I think we all fall into that because, uh, there has been nobody just like you yet. <laughs> You're it. <laughs> so, Absolutely, you know, we, we, yeah. You know, we, we, we are each a pioneer in our own right, discovering who God created us to be. And the combination of gifts and skills and interests and talents that you have aren't like anybody else's. And so you can look at other people and try to do what they're doing and have this, you know, sadness, this isn't working for me or this isn't right. And, that's, you know, that's really why. So when you work with people... How do you help them to discover their purpose? Well, it's looking at your past, present, and future. And so, again, it's looking back at the times that you felt most fulfilled, the times that you didn't feel fulfilled, and you know that, you know, you, you, weren't, um, you weren't productive, you weren't happy. You know, what were those times in both instances that you can identify? Um, and then looking at today and saying, okay, if, if if I told you that you had, you know, a month to do anything you wanted to do, that you had no responsibilities at home, you know, no, no chores, no laundry and dishes and all that kind of stuff, you know, what would you do? What would you fill your days with? Mm-hmm. And then looking into the future and saying, okay, if I could do anything, you know, what would that be? And a really great exercise is to, you know, picture yourself at 90 years old looking back on your life and you know if you could have it you know have people around you what would you be telling them that you're most proud of and I tell women that you're in charge from this day forward on the legacy that you leave and so what is that going to be and is it you know and that's when things really crystallize and all the trivial stuff kind of falls away and you realize what your burning passions are and what you want to be known for when you're gone. I love that. I always, I always pray that uh, start with the end in mind. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, because and sometimes, even, you know, for, yeah, for a lot of women, it's hard for them to vision that far ahead. So do a year. You know, if that's, if that's overwhelming, just say, okay, next year, at the end of, you know, at the end of next year, where would I want to be? 
if I could, you know, tell people how, how proud I am of what I've accomplished. Yeah, yeah, that's so great. And I think even, even and then once you, get, once you get out there, then coming backwards in, it'll help you identify, you know, what, what you want to see this week, this month, uh, today, uh, this afternoon. Right, yeah. Uh, you it know, like that. You plan. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So I, d- I do that one where you do- go all the way out to the end, and then I also do, just like this, this conversation with you, Susan, um, how do I want to feel when I'm done with this? How do I want the listeners to feel? How would I want mm-hmm. you to feel? Um, what would I want God to say about this? And, and as I go into this with that in mind, it changes it because it's not just, well, we'll see how it goes. You know, it's like you come in with this purpose and this vision with this mm-hmm. goal and intention, and that changes things. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You said the magic word intention. And so, you know, to set an intention every day and set an intention for the year to say this is what I want out of it and, uh, you know, we'll take it, take it and chunk it down from a year to 90 days, 60 days and work on back until you can work it into a manageable plan. Yeah, I love it. I have this exercise that I do. You guys can do it with us right now. So once you set the intention then, put your hand out in front of you and lay it flat with your palm facing up to the ceiling. And what you do then is you just mentally place your intention on your open hand. And uh, then what we tend to do is once we set a goal or an aspiration or intention like that or we have a specific thing we want to accomplish, what we do is typically is we fold our hand over and we put our thumb over the top and we seal it in there. So go ahead and do that. Just go ahead and fold your hand over. Okay, now my intention is locked in there. But this is really not the way God wants us to pursue intention. He really wants us to leave our hand wide open, open it up again, to leave our hand wide open to what he would want to do with that intention. And it is so much more comfortable it is so much more enjoyable pursuing your goals with God at the helm instead of mm-hmm. with you grasping this so tightly and there can be no flexibility, there can be no humility, there can be no receiving of additional gifts that you couldn't have even imagined because you've got this, you've got this intention locked in. So it really makes it such an enjoyable process mm-hmm. to keep this in an open hand and to let God be the master of your life even though you do set intentions, you do set goals, you do have priorities and things like that. So cool. Before we move to the O, is there anything else you wanted to talk about here under the Fulfill Your Purpose? Well, again, I think it's just, um, you know, acknowledging the fact that that you're here for a specific reason at this particular time in the world, and it's for something big. And, uh, you know, whatever your purpose is, it's significant. Um, You know, it may be, you know, you may think it's small, but for God, nothing is small because it's an integral part of the workings of how everything's going to play out. And if you don't do your purpose, then, you know, there's there's a missing piece. So it's really important to know those things. Yeah, I always say, God only made one of you, so if you don't do your part, all the rest of us are missing you. <laughs> we need you that's to right. that's, yeah, figure that out that. and do it. Yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Well, let's go yeah. ahead to O. What does the O stand for? Okay, so the O is a big one. It's overcome self-sabotage. And this is huge for women because we hold ourselves back Because of fear and perfectionism and procrastination and all these things, self-doubt, shame, there's so much that goes into this. uh, And and we just don't allow ourselves to even vision the future because we think we can't. Um, So really the first one I think is the biggest one for women is fear. Um, Fear of failure, fear of the unknown, 
We're afraid of disappointing other people. We're afraid of what other people will say if we do something. Uh, sometimes we're even afraid of success because we're afraid what that might do to stir things up. And most of our fears never even happen. We imagine things. We expect the worst outcome. And, you know, 90% of the time it's the best outcome or it's a good outcome. So it's, it's a, an unrealistic expectation that we, that we place on ourselves that keep us from uh, achieving our full potential. I think about fear and, you know, there's a couple different ways to think about it. I think about the acronym you always hear, you know, false mm-hmm. evidence appearing real. <laughs> but then there's also, you know, there's also good fears, like fears like a train is coming, get off the track. <laughs> you know? Right. You know, that's, a, that's a great fear. You want to have, you need that in the fear of God, the respect and honor mm-hmm. of God and what he's doing. But I think that, that um, false evidence is appearing real. I think for women especially, because we have such this high priority of security, that when God, God asks us to step out of our comfort zone, out of the place we feel really safe and really sheltered and protected, um, I think that women really struggle with that part a lot more than guys do. We do because we're people pleasers, you know, and we, uh, you know, we, we want to make sure everyone else is happy. And, again, it's, it's self-sacrifice. And we just stir these things up. We're more emotional than, you know, men are more linear and we have all these emotions that go into our decisions, and so we allow these negative thoughts to come in. And, you know, sometimes it's things from our past, um, you know, people saying things or things that might have happened in the past, and so it's, it's just, you know, we do it to ourselves, and it's, um, it's a terrible, terrible way to, um, you know, to diminish your value. Um, and, you know, to look at it and say, you know, so what? What if I do fail? Uh, you know, what's going to happen? Is anybody going to die? Is the world going to keep turning if I do fail? And, you know, can I just, you know, get myself back up and start all over again? And it's, you know, and I know, it, you know, it's that old cliche, it's a learning experience, but it really is. You know, a failure can be, be a, a, a way to learn and, and to do better the next time. And, and it can be a way to, you know, okay, I'm, fra- I'm afraid of this, and so how can I strategize? To get around this challenge, to to so it won't happen. Oh, I love that. So we're talking in this part here about overcoming self sabotage. So self sabotage seems to be to me the unspoken part of that is that you don't really recognize that you're doing it to yourself. Do you actually have a process or uh, um, anything that helps women to kind of get past this? Well, absolutely. You know, to you know, specific to fear, it's you know, what is your fear? Imagine the worst outcome, and then imagine the best outcome if you take the risk, if you take the step, and go ahead and proceed. And then ask yourself, am I willing to forego the best outcome because I'm afraid of what might happen that probably won't? And so to you know, to break it down and look at that and say, okay. You know, here I am, um, and, and then to look at your past. You know, when when have I succeeded in the past? And draw some confidence from that. And when have I failed and what have I learned from it? So, um, you know, pulling it apart and saying, is this realistic? And if it is a potential, uh, you know, for some calamity, then how do I strategize so it won't happen? Uh, but it's, you know, looking at your past again to see when you've succeeded, build on that confidence and then asking yourself, am I willing to 
miss out on this amazing opportunity because I'm afraid of what might happen. I want to get on to these other um, self-sabotaging things too, but fear is just such a big one. I want to just camp here for just a little bit longer because there's such a big difference between um, a fear that is intended to hold you back and a fear that is truly a red flag that God is, like the Holy Spirit is, is prompting you this is a problem you know Mm -hmm. going forward here is going to be unnecessary pain for you so um do you have like i i have a way that i actually that actually works through this do you have a do you have a way that you do or i can maybe share mine first yeah go ahead yeah i mean go ahead (laughs) okay so well mine is just mine is just real simple and it came to light um when my first child was a baby uh, mark was a baby and uh, a friend of mine was telling me a story and she's a woman much older than me and she's telling me a story of how she lost her first child and her baby was sleeping in their house and she was working in the garden with her mother just right there outside the house but there was an explosion in their um, heating system in the house and the house burst into flames and the baby was on the second floor and they could not get to her and so she died in that fire. Mm. And this totally crippled me as a parent. I couldn't leave him. I couldn't, like, I couldn't go in the other room. (laughs) I just became so afraid Mm. and I didn't know how to handle that fear. And so I just kept praying and God showed me then this process that has been so helpful to me and to others through the years. So what I do is I just ask God this question. If I were to go forward with this and something bad were to happen, would I say I totally knew better than that? Or Mm. would I say you know, I couldn't have really predicted that. There would be no way you could predict that. This is just part of life. Things like this do happen. And it's just such a really clear uh, distinction for me that it's allowed me to have a lot of freedom to see a red flag and stop or else to proceed with confidence, even though, yes, Mm. it looks scary. Mm, That's beautiful. That's great, yeah. And I just tell people, you know, to really, you know, if you've got a, a, a huge fear um, you know, take it to God, and, you know, if, if, if there's really something going on, I, I truly believe that he will speak to you about that. And, you know, ask him for peace, you know, ask him for peace about this, and, is, you know, is this something that I'm just making up? And, you know, we've got this intuition, this women's intuition, and, I, you know, I think that's the Holy Spirit working within us mm-hmm. to help us discern uh, right and wrong and good and bad choices. So I think if we're really in tune with God and what he wants to do, then he's going to lead us. And it comes back to that control, doesn't it? Uh, you know, we, we open our hand. Keep and it in that have, open hand. Yeah. yeah, we leave it in that open hand and know that he's got it all figured out already. And yeah. we just have to follow. And we cannot, we cannot repattern anything that he's already laid out. Right. Right, and that there's so much confidence in that once we really mm-hmm. trust him, and I mean that it is a faith journey, and all of these things too. I mean that is that is a huge part of it. Mm-hmm. So, what are what are some other self sabotage things that you want to talk to us about? Kind of some insights for us here. Well, perfectionism is another big <laughs> one for women. <laughs> uh, we spend a lot of time comparing ourselves to other people, uh, and we look at you know the the media is killing us with, you know, uh, Facebook and Pinterest and, you know, TV and all these ads and such. And, 
and we look at other people and we think, oh, gosh, I'm not as pretty as she is. I'm not as thin, smart. You know, I don't have the house that she has or the job. And, and so we discount who we are because we're comparing ourselves to someone else. And we place these superhuman expectations on ourselves that, uh, you know, we'll probably never achieve. And then we work ourselves silly trying to get there. Um, and we just, you know, there's no such thing as perfect. Um, Christ is the only perfect being ever and that will ever exist. And so we need to just let up on ourselves. Um, and I find that a lot of women, it's amazing how many women I work with who still have their mother's voices speaking to them, um, you know, even in a dog. And so I think if we've had um, experiences uh, with, um, you know, mothers who were critical, with parents who were really tough on us, uh, you know, we still carry those um, beliefs along with us into adulthood, and it's it's hard to let go of that because it's so ingrained within us. Mm, yeah, for sure. And I think I think the thing that uh, we want, the thing we long for, is God's well done, my good faithful servant. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then we want, you know, be holy as I am holy. You know, so there are these calls to do our best to really give it our all and to not do sloppy work and things like that. But I love what you said. You said perfectionism comes from comparing ourselves to others, and mm-hmm. that's the problem. Right. It is. And uh, it's just, you know, looking at, looking at ourselves as complete, and all we have, the only person we have to please is God. Right. And so if we look at ourselves and say, I am enough in his eyes, he put me here. He created me. And as you said, all I have to say at the end, all he has to say is, well done. He doesn't, I don't get up there and he goes, well, gee, that wasn't perfect and that wasn't perfect and you didn't do that good enough, you know. It's like, you know, just do your best. Right. Do your best and accept that good is good enough and then move on because you can stress yourself out totally by striving for perfection. Absolutely. I love that. Another big one is procrastination. Mm. So procrastination goes hand in hand with perfectionism and fear. Uh, so, you know, we're, we're afraid of failing, so we don't start. We're afraid that we won't do something right, so we over plan, and then we get behind, and then we're in a rush to finish, and, uh, and then, you know, and then we get in trouble because we're late, uh, you know, so that's, that's a problem. Uh, Again, we need to set realistic expectations on ourselves and know that, you know, yes, it may not be fun, but it's part of the process. And if it's something that seems so overwhelming and you can't see a way to to manage it, break it down into small steps. Set a timer for 30 minutes. See how much you can get done in 30 minutes. You know, do it in small steps. Uh, and, And then ask yourself, Next week, will I wish that I had started this today? <laughs> That's great. <laughs> yeah. And if it's yeah. like, oh, yeah, you know, if, I'm, if I know that it's going to put me behind, then I need to get started. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of times with procrastination, there's this sense of not quite being clear what to do. And that, that really is problematic. And, and when you face that, when you find yourself kind of not, not knowing which way, you know, it's kind of a feeling like when you're coming up to a stoplight and and you're skating along the road, and, and all of a sudden it turns yellow. 
and your foot does this thing, you know, between the gas pedal and the brake pedal. It kind of goes, da 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 Yeah. Because you're just not quite sure. Can I make it? Should I slam on the brakes, you know? You have that decision to make, and sometimes there's that pause there, and your your subconscious is trying really hard to do all the calculations. <laughs> Can you make it or not? And that, that sometimes happens to us with projects, too, where it's like we stall. We, we don't quite know, should I press on the gas really hard right now or should I slam on the brakes really hard right now? And it's okay to be there, but when you feel that happening inside of you, you know, God can give you some clarity with that as well. And, of course, you know, just always going back and asking God, am I on the right road? Is this the right speed? <laughs> you know, am I supposed to be stopping for passengers? You know, I mean, you just have to keep asking him all the way along the way. What is he wanting to accomplish through this? Mm-hmm. Because, you know, that's where the open hand comes back again because it's his project in the end. It's his story. We're just part mm-hmm. of history. But, you know, it's not about us even though he wants to take care of us in it. But that's right. it's just so important. Your C, so, so we're spelling out, spelling out the word focus here. Your letter C is cut the tether to technology. So ah. are you only speaking to people that are like, um, you know, in their 40s, 50s, and 60s, or are you actually talking to all the girls? All, everybody. <laughs> and um, I love that the definition, one of the definitions of tether is a rope or chain with which an animal is tied to restrict its movement. Mm-hmm. And just think, you know, you know is, our, is our technology restricting us? Uh, we are so tied to our phones and our gadgets, our apps, our social media, and it's just consuming our time. Um, there have been, uh, you know, it's such a problem that, you know, there huge studies are being done on, you know, our addiction to technology now. And there's a word for it. It's called nomophobia with our cell phones, and that's the fear of being out of cell phone range. <laughs> well, that's awesome. You know? Yeah, and you know, and wow. you know how it is when you leave the house and you go, oh, my gosh, I didn't have my phone with me. You have that moment of panic. Do I go back? Can I survive the day without it? And we used to survive the day just fine without it. But there's this, this fear that we can't survive without our phones. And one study found that, you know, 66% of the people that they studied sleep with their phones next to their beds. And so it's like, you know, you just never know what's going to happen in the middle of the night, and you want to be able to reach for it the first thing in the morning when you wake up, rather than having a quiet time, starting the day peacefully before you get into that. Yeah. Yeah, I I take a day of rest every week. It's usually Sundays, but if I'm traveling or something, I can't do it that day. But um, and I And I try that day to mostly just be completely off of, off mm. of um, devices, and it is amazing. Um, you know, you really rediscover <laughs> that there's a world without it. That there, you know, I oftentimes will find myself wanting to cook something creative or, um, you know, do something like that during the day because I don't have that. Um, you know, it, it's just really different. And, and those of you listening, you're like, well, how would you get the recipe? Because you'd have to go online and get the recipe. <laughs> so, and, and for that, I would just go online, get the recipe, and then go off again. You know, That's so right. mm-hmm. um, it's amazing. You know, it's amazing how much of my life really is spent, and all of ours is spent in front of a computer screen of some size or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, because everything now, we, even our reading, uh, everything now that we do yeah, is on a screen. 
and exactly. it's really important for us to take a yeah, break. The, the, uh, the Chinette people, the paper plate people did a study and found that 30% of the people who responded had not socialized in a month. That's scary. Oh. And that, uh, and, that, and that the respondents uh, spent an average of 23 hours a week on technology platforms. Mm. So you just think about how much time that would free up for rest and relaxation and to be focused if you could cut back even, you know, even a third on that. Um, just yeah. think of all the hours. That's an entire day out of your week, more than your day, right. because that's you know, 23 hours. That you're spending time, right? on doing things, yeah, on things yeah. that are, you know, really are not, you know, are not moving you toward living your purpose. Mm-hmm. I actually give away a free book over at Marnie.com that is called Sane, Social Networking Success in 15 Minutes a Day because so many mm. people that I work with are ministry leaders, business owners like that, and they need to use social media. That's part of what they have to do, but they don't know how to do it in a management you know, in a managed way where it's not consuming. Right. And so, you know, I, I usually spend about 15 minutes a day on social media. And then if I'm, like, sitting in an airport or something, you know, at some time when I have just some available time, that's when I go play and I go look at my friends' photos and things like that. But if you're doing that as a main part of your day every day, first of all, it's an unrealistic worldview. So people mm-hmm. typically don't put their average day photographs out there you know here's me brushing my teeth mm-hmm. here's me. you know I mean, we just don't we save <laughs> we save it for the big moment and so there's this uh, there's this sensation that everybody else has a perfect life except you mm-hmm. and that's just not true and then the other thing is it's just really fun it's, it's super fun to just go and go and go and read what everybody's saying. And it's like the biggest gossip chain in the whole universe, you know, sitting right there available (laughs) to you all the time. And it can be really exciting, but you're not really accomplishing things uh, in the the world. You're really just, it's it's like a TV station in a different Mm -hmm. way. You're just being, you're being amused, but you aren't being rest. You're not being rested and you're not being productive for the master. You're not, you know, I mean, there's a lot of things that you're losing in those moments. Mm -hmm. So, when, when you work with people, what do you recommend? Like, what's the first step that somebody can take? I've never done this before. What should I do first? As far as, well, I, you know, like you, I say budget your time. Um, if, you know, if you have to be on social media, then, you know, use one of the tools that's out there for scheduling. You can do an entire week's worth of social media, you know, in one sitting and then pop in from time to time to put something, you know, personal out there. Um, and, you know, take a break, like you said, just give your brain a rest, be present with the people that you're around and, you know, just see if you can, you know, start with a timer again, if you have to and time yourself, you know, can you go three hours without your phone? Can you go two hours? You know, what's the most that you can do and work into that? Um, and eventually you'll realize that it's really not that important to your life. Um, it's good for emergencies and, you know, essential phone calls, but, Wasting a bunch of time on social media, you know, not, it feeds our perfectionism, right? Because <laughs> we're comparing ourselves to all those people that are out there, uh, and it it keeps us again from being focused on what God wants us to do and pulls us into what the world wants us to do. Yeah. So for social media, I'd encourage you if you want to begin to tether back. Um, 
release the tether. <laughs> yeah. It's to turn off the notifications that ping you every time somebody oh, connects with you on social media. Just just turn those off and like you said, I love your idea there. Just do it for an hour or do it for two hours at a time and then go back and look and just kind of stretch it out. Maybe now two hours and 15 minutes, now two hours and 30 minutes. You know, you can stretch this out or else you can just go cold turkey. Um, and I don't even, I get no pings on my, I get no pings on my phone for social media. I get no pings on my phone for emails. I get no pings on my phone for texting. The only thing I get on my phone are the calls that come through, and those have different ringtones so that I can determine in this moment if that's the priority. So you have mm. the ability to do this, and you actually, you know, depending on your life, uh, you know, my life, I can't, I can't just be available to everybody all the time. I have, to, I have to choose who's the priority in this moment and then get back to people as I have opportunity. And you can do that too, depending on what God's called you to do. Obviously, some people need to have all those things on, but uh, I don't need to, and so I don't. Let's go ahead and talk about um, the you. Okay. So the you of our focus is to unleash the power of saying no by drawing clear boundaries. And most women don't know how to say that word no. Uh, you know, again, we think we have to say yes to everyone, to be all things to all people. And we have, feel obligated to do things. We feel guilty if we don't, if we even think about not doing them. And so it's, you know, how do you draw the boundaries around your life? You think about that protective shield um, that keeps you from being bombarded by everyone else's requests and, uh, you know, to, to, Focus on your purpose, the things that you need to do first before you, um, you know, take care of, of, of other people and what they're doing. You know, we've got, we've got our families, and, you know, sometimes we need to draw boundaries in our families with, um, you know, with family dynamics. Uh, we've got work and the things that we do. You know, uh, too many people work overtime. They take their work home with them. They, uh, they take on other people's work while they're there. So it's important to draw those clear boundaries between your personal life and your work and just do your job and do it well and, uh, you know, let other people do their own jobs. And, uh, you know, we have this fear of missing out. It's called FOMO now and fear of missing out. And, we, you know, we, we're afraid that if we don't say yes to something, then, gosh, what if they go off and have fun and I don't do it? Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, again, folk, what, is, what are your priorities? What do you need to be doing and be bold about saying, okay, no more of that, no more of that relationship, no more of working overtime. You know, how can I open up my life to do the things that God created me to do without, um, you know, without uh, getting distracted by everybody else? Hmm. There's a verse in Proverbs, Proverbs 22.3 says, sensible people foresee trouble and hide from it. But gullible people go ahead and suffer the consequences. Mm. So, so I think it's, you know, if, if that, again, that just speaks to drawing those boundaries. It's like, you know, you know what's going to get you into trouble. You know the people you don't need to hang out with. You know the, the, uh, the activities you don't need to be doing. So stay away from them and, uh, you know, do, do what you're supposed to do. Oh, I love that. The phrase that really helped me to be able to say no is this. Every time that I say no to something, I have, in effect, said yes to something else. And every time I say yes to something, I have, in effect, said no to something else. So that phrase helps me to recognize that I am always saying yes. 
I just might not be say yes to this person who's asking me to do this right now. I might Absolutely. be saying yes to my husband or to my staff or to God about something else. Um, in order to say yes to them, I have to say no in this moment. That really gave me a lot of freedom, Susan, because otherwise you're just saying no, and no feels terrible. It really does feel it does. terrible. Yeah. But another, another way to look at that, which I love to share, is that um, it's actually a gift to the person who wants to say yes. So if right. you have something that doesn't align with your purpose, there's someone mm-hmm. out there that wants to do that responsibility. They want that chore. They want that task. And so by you saying no, it's a gift to her to allow her to do what she's called to do. So when you say no, think of it as a gift. Mm, that's a beautiful thought, too. Um, I was thinking when we were talking about work, my husband, um, one time when he took a new position, you know how a new position is a kind of a lot like a new baby. You're just learning so much, and there's so, you know, the, the learning curve is steep, and there's so much work during the day, and sometimes you just have to bring stuff home at night. And so what he did is he, he uh, would take his briefcase, at, he would stay late at night, he would come home, and he would study, and then he'd go back the next day. And after a while, he would bring his briefcase home, but he wouldn't open it. He would just set it on the back bench, and then he'd pick it up on his way out the door the next morning, and after a while, the briefcase didn't come home anymore. Ah. And it was kind of the same as what we're talking about, this technology, you know, weaning. When you have a position, and at first it was overwhelming, but now you've been in it for a while, just take step back and say, is there a possibility that I'm not, that I'm no longer needing to do as much work as I'm doing here? Are there things that I can do more quickly? Are there things that I can offload to someone else to do? You know, I mean, there are just ways to look at it differently, but sometimes you don't even bother to stop and look. You just keep going because I'll tell you we're doing it. Well, people will keep loading things onto you as long as, they'll let, as long as you let them. So, again, that goes back to drawing boundaries. You know, what is my job and what is their job? And, you know, can I say no to this? And is it, you know, I had one client who said, my boss sends me things every day and says it's top priority. And, and she said, I've got all these top priority things and I can't get them all done. So, you know, I said, well, go in and have a, have a you know, rational conversation and say, I am, a, I am one person and, you know, I can't do – the number one thing every day. And so, you know, some of these things take more than a day. And so what's really number one and what's number two and what's number three? So, you know, put out, you know, not everything is an emergency. And so, you know, try to manage that and, uh, you know, and see what can be put off, you know, until tomorrow or, you know, down the road. I really love the advice, too, of letting your supervisor or letting your authority do that. Um, One of the things I teach our teams is to, when they feel overloaded, like they don't know what to do. I mean, they could maybe guess what to do, but they're not sure what to do. Um, There's too many priorities right now. Then if you just ask your supervisor, usually they have a really clear order. (laughs) They'll say, well, this one has to be done by 2 p.m., and this one can wait until next week, and this one has to be done. Wow, we've got to do that right now. In fact, I'm going to take that away from you and give it to somebody who can do it right now. You know, I mean, a supervisor, uh, uh, an authority figure, will oftentimes have a very clear direction for you once you verbalize that you're overwhelmed. But again, it's kind of like, you know, saying no is actually the gift to the person who wanted to say yes. Saying no, I can't do this much, I need help, is actually a gift to your supervisor because otherwise what happens is the due dates start coming and going by and everything's late and 
it holds mm-hmm. up the whole team. You know, so once again, it's really a mercy for you to do that, even though it feels bad in the moment. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, and, and, of course, you know, for them, everything's important. And so just to, you know, to have that conversation and say, you know, yes, it's important, uh, and, not, and not to be afraid to go in and say that, because, uh-huh. you know, they may not even realize that they're doing it. It's just probably right. everything's important to them, and so it's, it's all top priority. So as you you know you're, you would time manage around that and just say you know again let's let's see what's you know tops for today and categorize these things and rank them and see the order that we need to do them in. Yeah, and the other thing is it's always important to do this before you hit the point of um, explosion. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you need to you need to learn this as a as a lifestyle that. And, and honestly, some bosses really aren't easy to approach and say, I can't do all this. But they would really prefer you to do it before you're a puddle on the floor or having a nervous breakdown or sick for four days or whatever. They really would. Even though they don't act like they would, they'll, you won't see sure. that side of it. But do mm-hmm. it anyway because they will appreciate that the work is going to get done now in a timely manner, uh, you know, so they look good on their due dates. And Absolutely. You know, tell him, tell him, tell him, tell your supervisor you want to make her look good or him look good. You know, so let's do this right and let's let let me operate at my peak, you know, productivity here for your benefit. I always, I teach our staff at the restaurant a phrase we say all the time is I want to get this right for you. I just mm-hmm. want to get this right for you. So sometimes, you know, we're we're taking a moment longer to get the order down because they want special things done and we want to communicate that clearly to the cooks and so we just I just teach them, you just say if they if they look at you like they want to get going with something, you know, just say, uh, if you just give me one more second because mm-hmm. I want to get this right for you. And people love when you when they are your priority, you actually get a lot more grace than when they're they don't understand what you're doing. So just being communicative. That's much better than going in and whining, isn't it? <laughs> oh, it is. Or else just pretending like you know what they're talking about and you don't. You know, I mean that's mm-hmm. that's another way to get into big trouble. <laughs> All right. So we are spelling out the word focused and so far we've got F fulfill your purpose, O overcome self sabotage, T cut the tether to technology, U unleash unleash the power of saying no. So what is the S? The S is to say yes to yourself oh. and, you know, to, to allow yourself, as we talked about, some rest time to, um, you know, take good care of yourself because rest is biblical, as we've, as we've said. And, you know, you need to have a healthy body to have the energy that you need to accomplish your goals. And you need to have a healthy mind so you'll be sharp and not frazzled and not brain fried. And you need to have a healthy spiritual life. And so look at those areas and see, you know, am I happy with each one of those areas of my life? And if I'm not, what's wrong? Um, and, and am I devoting so much time to, um, you know, work or to volunteering that I don't have time to nourish these areas? Um, and, and, you know, if you cannot, um, you know, operate as, as God intended you to do, then you're not going to be worth anything to anybody. So, you know, again, to fill your own cup first. Don't let your cup get dry and cracked. And uh, give, oh, give what flows over to the saucer to everyone else. Um, one of the things that I see a lot is that people don't really understand what their personal rest uh you know, keys are. So, like, I see a lot of people who just will sit down in front of the TV 
and they think that this is rest and relaxing. But my definition of rest is that when I'm done resting, I am recharged and I feel like working. Uh, I feel like accomplishing something. And so uh, when you sit in front of a TV, a lot of times you never get there. You just, you just sit there and you sit there and all you want to do is sit there longer. Uh, it's mm-hmm. not really restful to a lot of people. Whereas um, some other things are, like a short nap or a, a shower or, uh, you know, uh, for me, I, I, love, I love to sleep. That's, that's super restful for me. And I love to run on an elliptical runner. That is actually very recharging for me. When I'm tired, if I run, I am re-energized. I am revived. I am renewed. And even though mm-hmm. that's exercise, my body views that as restful. It's recharging. So uh, maybe speak to that for a moment. Well, and I, and I know, you know, women, I mean, painting, some women love to paint, uh, you know, reading a book, walking, swimming, um, you know, there are so many things that, uh, you know, unique to us that we love to do. My husband can't sit still. If he's out in his shop tinkering with things, that's when he's resting. That's when he, uh-huh. you know, when right. he is nourishing himself. Uh, and it's, you know, if I made him sit, in, you know, he just can't do it. He just can't right. sit in front of the right. TV for a long time. Um, yeah. And for, you know, I mean, we all have our ways that, uh, you know, that recharges. And, uh, you know, to, to make a commitment, I call it a wow commitment within one week. What are you going to do? Do at least one thing every week that recharges you. Mm. So, you know, is, is it painting? Is it doing something creative? Is it music? Is it cooking? Um, is it girlfriend time? You know, identify the things that you love to do most and then make sure that at least once a week you do those things. I love wow, within one week. I love mm-hmm. that. Uh, I, have a, I have a new thing that I'm doing. Um, so somebody challenged me to pick a habit I wanted to change and um, get, get tokens of, to, I just am using, I'm using quarters and pennies. So I want the quarter. I don't want the penny. And so uh, I have a little jar, and mine is that I don't want to take any bites in my car. So a lot of times I'm exactly one mile from our restaurant. I'm one mile from our store, and so I'm back and forth between these places multiple times a day. And oftentimes I'm just grabbing a bite to eat um, instead of actually enjoying it. I'm just grabbing a bite between. And so I decided this is a habit I want to stop doing. So I put this jar in my car, and I'm having so much fun putting a coin in there when I don't eat in my car. And it's just within one week, it's just a seven-day challenge. But I really like that. I like that it's an awareness thing. So, wow, within one week, mm-hmm. I'm going to use that forever. Thank you, good. Susan. I love good. that. <laughs> good. That's good. Good. awesome. Good. Yeah. Say yes to yourself. And, again, uh, anytime you say yes to something, you said no to something else. In order to get there, you're going to have to um, set the boundaries we talked about and unleash the power of no because there will simply not be time for you unless you, um, unless you make decisions that are going to nourish that goal. And mm-hmm. Susan, why should, why should a woman feel okay about taking time for herself? Well, if she doesn't, then she's going to be run down and tired and bitter and resentful, and she's not going to be able to do what she wants to do. You know, you'll be exhausted at work. You won't be productive. Uh, You'll be a grump at home, and, you know, your relationships will suffer. And, you know, it takes a long time. And then a lot of times we end up sick. 
as you said, you know, because we work so hard and we put ourselves into this mindset that we can't take time off. And God did not create us to be miserable. Um, he created us to have an abundant life. And, you know, if we are following the purpose that he laid out for us and staying focused on that, then uh, we will have more time to do the things that we love to do. And, you know, it's, it's a training. We have to train ourselves that it's okay. And, you know, once you get in a habit, uh, you see the benefits of it, and it really pays off. But, uh, boy, it's hard, you know, to, 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 to allow ourselves, to put ourselves at the top of our to-do list rather than at the bottom. Well, I think one of the things that really suffers when you say no to yourself all the time is your relationship with God, and that is the most important thing in our lives is this uh, this one-on-one with God. And it's just like if you were, you know, with a spouse or with someone you're dating or whatever, if you don't ever spend any time with them, the relationship does falter. I mean, it's just not mm-hmm. on, on solid ground. I think the way that I tell that, I, I call it the peace barometer, and it's from um, Colossians 3.15, where it talks about let the peace of God, the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. And then in the Amplified Version, it says, acting as umpire to decide with finality all the things that would confuse you in your life. And so when I start feeling shaky or unsure about what to do, I realize that my, you know, my peace, I've lost, you know, my shoes of peace, my shoelaces are untied, and I just need to just spend a moment with Jesus and just get refocused mm. there. And that's kind of the, the self-care, if I, were to, if I were to describe the most important aspect of that, it's the time alone with Jesus, and whether that's all at once in the morning and then, you know, you kind of go on the wave of that all day long or whether you do it moment by moment through the day, however it is that your personality is to uh, connect with God, however he made you, that is really the most important thing. And I think to discover that is also in its own way to discover rest and to mm-hmm. find, you know, to find, like when I'm on the elliptical, I'm, I'm running with Jesus. I'm usually either listening to something, uh, you know, some scripture in my head or some worship music or else I've got something in front of me, a verse I'm memorizing or something like that. It's so recharging to me mm-hmm. to just spend those moments um, physically active running with Jesus. And when I'm going to sleep, I'm, I'm asking God, how is it with me? And he's putting me to sleep there in peace. And so I think there's just these ways that we can really enjoy a lot less frazzled lifestyle, even though we're busy. It's not like you just sit around and look at the ceiling. Nothing like that. It's it's really accomplishing the purposes that God has for us. This hour has flown by. You guys want to over and visit (laughs) Susan's website is The Flourishing Life dot today not dot com dot today the flourishing life today the flourishing life dot today Susan if somebody goes over there what are they going to find well I have a uh, a wonderful ebook it's um, called the 10 powerful reasons to know your purpose and how to find it so we've talked a lot today about purpose and so it's just uh, you know pointing out again why you need to know your purpose, and then some simple steps to go through to find that. And so that's right there on the home page. You can request that, you know, for immediate download. Oh, that's cool. That's great. And then you also do, um, you also do coaching? I do coaching. Um, I do coaching and workshops and retreats and, you know, speaking. Um, I love to work with women who are, you know, kind of stuck. You know, they know that there's something better out there, but they just don't know what that is. 
um, whether it's in their career or their personal life. It's, uh, you know, and, and we go through this process of first, the first thing we tackle is all this self-sabotage um, and get that cleaned out of the way. And then we move into a real in-depth pursuit of what her purpose is. And, uh, and then after she knows her purpose, then we create a plan for her to achieve that. Uh, so, I, you know, it's, it's what God has created me to do. My purpose is to inspire passion and joy. And uh, that's, uh, you know, if I do that, you know, at least once a day, then I know I'm on track. Oh, that's so great. Well, this has been a really fun hour. Thank you for being here, Susan. Thank you. It's been great, Maury. Thanks for having me. And thank you all for being here. Can't have a show without people to come and listen. And I'm so grateful for all of you who come and join us at Blog Talk Radio when we're live on Wednesdays. And also for those of you who listen at the syndicates and over at iTunes and Stitch and the other uh, private downloads around the web. Well, welcome to put one of those radio boxes on your website. You just go over to Blog Talk Radio and you can see right how to do that there. And thank you for participating with us week to week. I hope you have a wonderful day and we'll see you next time here on Marnie's Friends. Hello, it is Ryan and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.